This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are here today. This episode is sponsored by Inside Tracker. Whether you are a big runner, you like to ride your bike, whatever it is you are doing to push your body, it's really important to know what's going on inside your body so that you can compete and train to the best of your abilities. I would hate to put all this time and energy into training and know that I could optimize certain things and it could be so much better. Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking to identify where you are optimized and where you're not. I did my panel with Inside Tracker and my ferritin was not super low, but it was low enough that the dietitian I spoke with on this podcast told me, hey, if I were training for a marathon, I'd go ahead and take a supplement and and get it up a little bit because you'll feel better. So that's what I'm doing. I am taking, it's Hemaplex. That is the specific iron supplement that Maddie Alm, who is a dietitian that's been on this podcast, uh, recommended. I love that Inside Tracker breaks down every single thing, tells you where you're optimized, where you're, where you're not, and also gives you specific nutrition information on how you can better fuel your body based on what your results said. So the good news is you all can save 20% at Inside Tracker for your next blood test when you go to insidetracker.com slash another. Going to that specific URL, insidetracker.com slash another will get you 20% off for a limited time. You can also use the code another to get that 20% off if you don't go to that exact landing page. All right, friends, today's episode is with your champion of the California International Marathon, Paige Stoner. Her first U.S. title, a course record at CIM, and a brand new PR. She ran 2.26.02, which was a 51-second course record at CIM. Paige runs for Reebok, and she is also a coach at Run Free Training. She ran for Syracuse, where she had a super successful career there. And this was only her third marathon. So she ran the Marathon Project back in 2020. She ran Boston, and now she's run CIM. So lots in store for Paige. She's only 26 years old, so she's got a big career, long career ahead of her that I am so excited to follow and cheer her on for. This episode of the podcast is also supported by Gooder. If you are looking for a great pair of sunglasses that are functional, affordable, and fashionable, lots of awesome styles, go to gooder.com slash another. I love the Amelia Earhart Ghosted Me Shades. They are my favorite. They're like an aviator version. So cute and classic, but they also have really bright, fun colors as well. And did you know when you leave a rating interview on this podcast every single month, We give away a pair of Gooder sunglasses, which is so exciting. And I think we need to give away our last pair of the year. We're going to continue on in January, though, so don't miss out. Our most recent winner is going to go to JP in Colorado. Fantastic show. Upbeat, informative, real, and transparent, funny, and full of energy. Okay, I like that description. Thank you. JP, send me an email, lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com to get your 
free pair of Gooder sunglasses for leaving that rating and review. Friends, go do it. And if you want a discount at Gooder, go to gooder.com slash another and use the code another15. That's another15 for 15% off your order. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Paige. Today on All Have Another, we have Paige Stoner on the show. Welcome to the show, Paige. Hi, thanks for having me. So excited to have you on the show. What What's happening in your life right now? We're heading into Christmas time. What are you doing? Yeah, I'm spending some time at home. Um, my husband and I are from the same hometown, so holidays are super convenient. So yeah, we're both just spending time with family and uh, we're kind of sandwiched in between uh, two weddings right now. We had my teammate Josette's last weekend, and then two of our childhood best friends getting married this Saturday. So lots of fun stuff going on. So fun. Oh my gosh. I saw pictures from Josette's wedding. She was beautiful. She was. Yeah. Was it so fun? Yeah. Oh yeah. We had a blast. Um, and so where is home? Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Okay, cool. And you're in Flagstaff now though, right? Yes. Like you live there now. Yeah, I moved out at the end of July, and um, yeah, I think that's where I'll be staying. Okay, and what's that been like, moving from Charlottesville to Flagstaff? It's been really great, yeah. I love Flagstaff. Um, I mean, there's a reason why so many runners are ending up there. You really can't beat the dirt roads and trails out there are endless, so I felt like every week I was seeing a new spot that I hadn't seen yet, and I was like, how have I not run here yet? Um, and then just the community of runners, like everyone was so welcoming and mm -hmm. even though, you know, everyone's kind of got their own like group or like different coaches and whatnot, like everyone tries to work together as much as possible. And especially, you know, easy days. It's like, I think people joke, it's hard to run alone because you always are running into someone. Okay. So why exactly did you decide to move to Flagstaff? Yeah, I think I had spent three weeks there in summer of 2021 um, I coach for um, a company called Run Free that Ryan Hall and Jay Stevenson started, and they were putting on a camp for um, the athletes in Flagstaff. So I went out for the camp, and then I stayed an extra two weeks to dog sit for Ryan and Sarah while they were in Crested Butte. So I got a little taste for Flagstaff last summer, and um, just yeah, really fell in love with it then, and. Uh, was looking for somewhere that I could have some other people to train with and just kind of, you know, something different in terms of places to run. And yeah, it's hard to beat Flagstaff. So that's how I decided. Yeah. I always wonder like, how does the runner decide between Boulder and Flagstaff? Those are the two. And, and who was it? Uh, I forget Shayla Houlihan. She was like, yeah, Boulder's like bougie, the bougie Flagstaff, like Flagstaff's just a little bit more chill. Like, did you even consider the Boulder area or other areas? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. A bougie Flagstaff. Yeah. So I actually, <laughs> um, my fifth year of college, I didn't have cross country eligibility. I only had indoor and outdoor and I only had a couple credits left to finish my degree. So I actually took a leave of absence in the fall. And I went out to Boulder and I nannied for a family and ran out there. So I was out there for, I think it was about five months. So I actually, yeah, have done Boulder as well for a short period and have an idea of what it's like there. And it's awesome there too. So um, no shade to Boulder, although I know there is a bit of a, a rivalry between <laughs> the two. Um, but I, I think I can say that Flagstaff's more my vibe. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, I somebody else coming up on the podcast that lives in Flagstaff, uh, Ellie Hennis. Uh huh. Yeah, she's coming up too. So I got I just had a little Flagstaff chat with her as well. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I know Ellie pretty well. We competed um, both being ACC. We competed a lot in college. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so okay, CIM. Congratulations on winning not only a marathon, running a big PR, and becoming the national champion for the marathon there. Thank you. So this is your third marathon. You've done Marathon Project, Boston, and CIM. How did you decide on CIM? Um, yeah, so I like knew that it would be really cool to have a chance to compete for a national title in the marathon, and I'd heard great things about the CIM course, so I kind of liked the idea of, like, okay, I could go after a fast time while simultaneously, you know, competing for a title, and um yeah, I'd kind of gotten like a, t- a taste of what it's like to do a major doing Boston in fall of 2021. And, you know, that was an awesome experience. But I think it just appealed to me a little bit the idea of knowing that I could compete up front and, and really have a chance to compete for the win. Tell me what you thought about the course once you got on it. I loved it. Everyone kept saying that it was like a baby version of Boston, you know, where it is pretty rolling and Um, met downhill and so that made me a little bit nervous because I did have a tough day in Boston and um, my quads I tend to be a pretty quad dominant runner just the way my form is so I think even on flatter courses that's kind of the first thing to go for me is my quads get sore late in the race Mm -hmm. Um, and so yeah at Boston they had been like kind of totally shot by like mile 15 oh (laughs) yeah painful (laughs) Yeah, partially my fault because I just really didn't do enough downhill running to prepare for the course. Um, so I tried to do a much better job of that this time around. Um, but I would say, like, everything's a lot more gradual than Boston, both the ups and the downs. Like, I never was coming up to a hill and thinking, like, oh, man, mm. you know, that's, that's a monster hill. It's really going to slow me down. Like, um, yeah, I felt like everything was really just – rolling but yeah gradual so it never felt like it was really breaking up your rhythm and you ran a good amount of the race with lauren right the second place finisher lauren does she go by goss or hurley now goss i keep forgetting yeah me too yeah (laughs) but yes yeah we ran together uh early on i think there were four of us for a couple miles and elena and i had um yeah, she had been out in Flagstaff as well back in August, and then she had to leave at the end of August because, you know, she's a, a teacher as well, so she had to go back to school then, um, but we're we're good friends, and, and so we had planned to kind of try to stay together as long as we could, and unfortunately, she had to make a bathroom stop a few miles in, um, so kind of lost her then, but um, yeah, I think probably from around mile like eight or nine, I think, is when Lauren and I It was just kind of the two of us, and um, we ran together for about 10 miles. Wow, that's a long time to run side by side. Did you have any chatter at all? Um, Early on in the race, like I think maybe around mile four or five, because she had talked to me a little bit briefly before the start of the race and just kind of asked what kind of pace I was thinking. And I had told her I was thinking 535, 540 pace, and we were running 
closer to 5.30 pace. And <laughs> she, I think similar to me, had been more like thinking she'd run closer to 5.40 earlier on. And so she just kind of said, you know, like, you know, we are running a little fast. <laughs> and I didn't know. And I was like, I, I, I think I said something like, yeah, I'm just trying to, you know, really stay dialed into this effort, which was the truth. Like, I think that's more important than anything when it comes to marathon, especially when it is so rolling like that, you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to be clicking off super even split. So I was really just constantly trying to check in with myself and be like, okay, like, are you feeling super relaxed? And yeah, I was a little surprised at how quick we ran some of those early miles, but just trying not to let it get in my head. So did you have, like, were you looking at a watch at all? Did you have a watch on? I did. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think I looked at every mile split, but every now and then I would glance down. Um, and I, I did see like even a couple, like, I think like 528, 529, which it's always hard to say how accurate the watch is. So I was like, well, that could be more like 532, 33. I don't yeah. know. Um, so yeah, I was like checking, checking in every now and then. Um, and I definitely saw the half marathon split. I know. I think it was like one twelve twenty, which that definitely surprised me because I was kind of thinking two twenty six was maybe like the fastest I'd run, and then maybe be closer to two twenty seven. So uh-huh. kind of under two twenty five pace, I was a little bit like again, like okay, don't panic. Like you're feeling really good. You know, again, I just kept going back to like, but how are you feeling? And I was feeling very relaxed. When did you stop feeling relaxed or did you ever stop feeling relaxed? Um, I think I felt really, really good through about mile 22. Mm. And yeah, then like 22 to 24, it was definitely, you know, starting to hurt. And um, my quads were, again, what were starting to go. Um, even as mile, as early as like mile 18, I'd kind of started to feel my just my right quad was starting to feel pretty sore in one spot. And I was, that definitely made me nervous. And I was like, okay, I hope this doesn't get too much worse too soon here you know um but it didn't it really never got that much worse and then the left one eventually caught up and um then I remember passing the 40k mark mm. and feeling like I do not know if I can do these last few k. um so yeah definitely those last five ten minutes it got really tough yeah passing the 40k is always a good good thing though you're like I'm so <laughs> so close is is there anything you tell yourself when you're in that last bit where you just need to like draw on every piece of inspiration you possibly can um yeah I mean I was I knew I had a pretty sizable gap on Lauren Mm. at that point like people had been telling me you know like you have over a minute now um so I think you know in a marathon it's kind of like you're just at that point almost like telling yourself like just stay on your feet and like I knew I didn't have to press you know to keep the lead so I was just telling myself like you don't need to do anything stupid here like you don't need to try to press like just stay you know in control and like stay on your feet and then uh, I did start praying a little bit probably those last five or six miles um, and yeah just asking God to give me the strength to, to carry me through to the finish. So what does your coaching situation look like? Yeah so when I left Charlottesville at the end of July uh, I just kind of said my goodbyes with Coach Fox. And, you know, I kind of just said that I was really hoping to hop in workouts with Emily and Sarah. And I was like, I, I don't want you to waste your time writing out a plan when I know mm. that I want to hop in training with them. And, um, yeah, he was very understanding. And so, yeah, so we kind of parted ways then. And then, uh, yeah, I was I was in control of my mileage and, like, my long run distances. And then 
would hop in workouts with those two. And then once they started their taper, um, which would have been, I guess, like mid to late October, you know, that was kind of like right when my training was really starting to amp up. Um, so kind of had to part ways there. And I was pretty much um, on my own at that point. Like I would still bounce some ideas off of their coach, Terrence. Mm. And he was super helpful. Him and his wife, Jen, also with just like helping me with bottles and stuff for long runs. So it was a lot of just figuring things out with on my own with what's worked for me in the past. I think I have a pretty good idea of what works for me at this point. So, yeah. That's so interesting because, like, you pretty much did this cycle. It sounds like self-coached. So if you start working with a coach from here on out, like, how much of that is, like, what the coach tells me versus what I know my body is good at adapting to and can handle, like, do you just mix the two? Yeah, I think so. I think hopefully whoever my next coach is will be receptive to feedback. And um, I'm certainly like, don't feel like I have it all figured out. You know, like I, I hope that, um, you know, I definitely want to totally buy into mm. whoever's coaching me next. And like I said, you know, yes, hopefully like they'll want to hear what has worked well for me in the past and um, be open to feedback. But at the end of the day, I think it is really important to buy into the coach and believe in what they're, you know, giving you as a plan. So this, this big moment at CIM, like, where does that leave? How does that leave you feeling as far as the future of your career? Yeah, I think it was, you know, really just like confirming for me that the marathon is a great event for me to continue to pursue. Um, my debut at the marathon project went fairly well. And mm-hmm. then I had a pretty rocky day. Like I said, in Boston, you know, that was a tough one. So after that, I was kind of like doubting myself a little, like was the marathon project a fluke? You know, we did have like just perfect conditions that day. We had a pacer, like I was like, you know, it almost felt more like a track race marathon situation. Um, so just to like go out and, um, really like compete, you know, like it didn't feel like a time trial the way the marathon project did. And, um, yeah, to have a a great day just confirms is it was really affirming for me that I'm in the right event and that's what I want to continue to pursue for 2024. Yeah, I can imagine how it would feel like that after Boston because the marathon is just so challenging in, in the way that like there's just so many factors, right? Like everything has to line up for a great day like you had at CIM and you spend half the year, you know, or like, you know, really a solid 12 weeks preparing for this marathon. And if it doesn't go well, you're like, ah, that was so much time going into it. But you have to have so many marathons to know. I mean, it's like the experience matters so much. What did you learn from that Boston experience? Yeah, I think, like I said, a big takeaway was definitely that I was going to need to do more downhill prep if I do Boston again in the future and then for sure, like as well for CIM, because there is a lot of downhill. Um, and then I think really dialing in my fueling, like that was something I still needed some more work on. Um, I used a lot more gels in training this time around. Um, in the past I had just used the Gatorade endurance powder. Um, and this race I did, I still used the powder, but I was using it every other bottle and then the other bottles I was using the Gatorade gels. And I think for me, it's a lot easier to get calories in using the gels because I don't love the feeling of having a ton of liquid sitting in your stomach. 
Um, so I think that made a big difference as well. Yeah, it seems like, and maybe this is just us everyday folks, I don't know. Um, but it seems like we've learned a lot in the past even like two years on fueling and that we need to be fueling actually more than than we had been in the past. I think it was Megan Featherstone who was on this podcast and she was talking about how Kipchoge, uh, the amount of carbs he takes in an hour is just insane. But I mean, he's only racing for two hours. But um, if your stomach can handle it, it sounds like it's a huge game changer. Yeah, totally. Um, I also uh, heard that about Alphine, that she uses a ton of gels. Um, I'm like, well, she's crushing it. So Yeah. So, yeah, I really tried to work on that in long runs of just seeing, like, you know, more is certainly better. So um, just trying to figure out how much my stomach could handle. Yeah. Um, walk back to the marathon project. So that was 2020. Man, that, that race was so exciting because we had nothing else to be excited about. <laughs> um, how did you make the decision to debut there? Yeah, so um, when the pandemic first started, um, yeah, you know, pretty much everything was canceled race-wise, and uh, I think they had initially said that Boston was going to be moved from April to, like, September, um, and my teammate, Abby, and I at the time were kind of like, well, if there's not going to be any track going on, like, we both knew we'd be marathoners eventually. We didn't think it would be that soon, but we were kind of like yeah, there's nothing really to train for. So like, I don't know, you know, we are kind of like, why not give this marathon thing a shot now? The idea of like trying Boston was super exciting. And then obviously that didn't end up happening. You know, there was no Boston in 2020. Um, but shortly after that, the marathon project idea had come up. And um, yeah, so we, once we knew that was going to happen, we decided like, you know, we would probably spend the fall kind of trying to put in some big mileage anyway. So, you know, why not have this race on the calendar or something to, to be excited about? Hey friends, a quick break here to thank Koala Clip for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you are not already running with a Koala Clip, what are you doing? It is the easiest way to take your phone with you on the go. I have three and I often give them as gifts for Christmas or birthday presents. They're super simple, easy, inexpensive gifts to give. And they just clip to the back of your Razorback sports bra. I oftentimes put my ID and a couple dollars in there as well as, as my car key if I'm driving somewhere to go run. Super easy to access. I've gotten really used to it and they are uh, sweat-free, water resistant. So if you are sweating like a maniac or you are getting wet from the elements outside, you don't have to worry about your phone staying dry because it will. Uh, trust me, I've used the Koala Clip for many years in many different uh, circumstances with the weather. They also have really cute apparel now as well. I love this sweatshirt that just says runner on it. It is a super soft material. Um, they have really simple styles as well. Last year, I got my sister the Grit, Grace, and Gratitude sweatshirt, only $31. Go to koalaclip.com. Use the code ANOTHER for 10% off your order at Koala Clip. That's koalaclip.com for 10% off your order at Koala Clip. All right, friends, back to the show. You are young. Like, so you were only 24 when you yeah. ran the marathon project, which is historically, like, really young to run your first marathon. Yes, for sure. 
Wow. And so 26 now, you've done three marathons. Will you go back to running 10Ks at all? Like, what do you think? I think so. Um, after both the marathon project and Boston, I went back to running the shorter, faster stuff and doing a mix of track and shorter road races. And it seems to have been working well for me. Like, I do think every time I then return to marathon training, it just makes your marathon pace feel that much easier and the marathon pace becomes faster. So that's kind of what I'm thinking um, this time around as well, is that I'll probably go back to focusing on the, the shorter stuff. Yeah. Do you, do you miss it at all though? I mean, I know you're still, you've still been doing it, but like you have to focus on the marathon during these cycles. So do you miss <laughs> being on the track? I do. Yeah. I do really enjoy the track. I don't love the 10 K on the track so much. Um, <laughs> so many laps. Yeah. yeah. So, but I love the 5 K and I really haven't raced that many 5 Ks in my professional career. So that's an event where I still feel like I have a lot of room to grow and, would like to to do a few more of those and then I love the shorter road races as mm. well and um, that's probably my least favorite part of marathon training is just how little you get to race and when mm. you when or if you do race you're pretty fatigued usually you know so it's not really like a true display of what you're capable of I guess yeah or you're like not going to the well because you like want to you know be going to the well for the marathon exactly yeah I'm assuming you'll run a spring marathon I don't think so, actually. Really? And, yeah. And I mean, I talked to my agent, Josh, a little bit about it. And we both agreed, like, I've just been doing really well, like I just said, by going back to the shorter route distances. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll also depend on, um, you know, I don't know who my new coach is yet. So that'll, that'll be a conversation I'll have to have with that person. Um, but as of right now, I don't think there will be a spring marathon. I shouldn't have said I assume. I, anytime I say that on this podcast, someone's like, actually, and I'm like, why would I say I assume that? I don't know your life. Um, so can you share a little bit about what that process looks like as far as looking for a new coach? Are you interviewing people? Are they interviewing you? Yeah, so um, I guess like over the summer, we kind of started talking about, you know, what would those options look like and um, you know, definitely looking for marathon training partners as it, it seems like that'll be, you know, ma- majority of what I'm focusing on in the future. Um, so that was a big part of what I'm looking for in a group. And I definitely like the group. Like I liked being a part of the Reebok team we had and having that structure of having a team. I think it makes it just so much more fun to have people to show up and train with every day. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's a big piece of it. And then, yeah, so I, I have talked to a few coaches and um, got to do a few visits this fall. So, yeah, it's we're getting close to having it figured out. And I'm really excited for, like, you know, I was definitely in limbo these last couple months. Um, and while it was really nice having people to hop in, hop in with and flag, it'll, it'll feel good to have it all figured out and feel like I'm truly part of a team again. Yeah, you want to you want to stay in Flagstaff though. This is where you're going to live. Yes. Okay. In, yeah. What did, now? What does your husband do? He's a mechanical engineer. Okay, so he's he's good in Flagstaff, all that. No, not yet. So unfortunately, that's been that's been tough. Um, yeah. He he was super supportive. I'm super grateful. In July, he was like, "Yes, you need to do this. Like, you need to go out there." He could tell, you know, like 
it was important to me that if I was going to really enjoy, like, I just think it's marathon training is obviously it's a lot of miles. And like, for me, I just don't think I would have that much fun with it if I was grinding day in and day out alone. Um, so yeah, he was super supportive of me making the move out there at the end of July. And he, he started looking and applying for jobs, um, shortly after I made the move and he's really hoping to find something remote because there are very few engineering jobs in Flagstaff. Yeah. (laughs) So he's been applying, um, to everything he can find. And he's had a couple interviews pop up in these last couple of weeks, so we're really hoping something comes out of one of those. But if you are in the engineering industry and you <laughs> are hiring, um, yeah, Cody, Cody's looking for a job. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a hard piece of this Flagstaff thing because, you know, I remember when Amy Craig was on this podcast and she talked about the reason she chose like this Raleigh area for her mm-hmm. team was so that like the family holistically kind of like had other things to do as well. So, I mean, this is an example of it being a little bit challenging for someone's partner to find a job. Yeah, totally. That makes a lot of sense about Raleigh. Yeah, but I mean, I get it. I get why you want to live in Flagstaff. And look, you don't have to live there forever. You could live there for five years, whatever it is. But um, I think you going where it feels right at this like very important part of your career is, is the way to go. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I always tell him like when I'm done running, we can go wherever he wants to go. Where do you want to go? (laughs) It'll be your turn next. (laughs) So I'm curious your thoughts on longevity in the career. Cause we did mention already you're only 26 years old and we see marathoners. I mean, gosh, Sinead Diver just ran like insane when she ran 221 or 222. She's 45, 46. Um, That's 20 years away. That is 20 (laughs) years. That is almost your whole life. So uh, how does that make you feel in, in terms of longevity? And then also like you have so many tools right now as far as like doing this right right? So that you don't burn yourself out. Like, I feel like we have more tools now than we ever have before. So how do you decide to train and things like that with that longevity in mind, if you want the longevity? Yeah, it's been incredibly inspiring to see all these ladies in their late 30s, early 40s, who are just crushing it. And um, yeah, I think it definitely excites me because yeah, like you said, it's like, okay, this is where I am now, where can I be 10, 15 years from now? And I do want to like, really make sure I'm taking care of my body and giving myself, you know, like now's a great time to just make sure I'm recovering and like not rushing back into things. So I think just like, being smart, not getting greedy with the number of races I'm doing, like just, yeah, continuing to remind myself, like you have so much time to grow. Um, We don't have to rush anything now. Um, Yeah, and just really um, focusing on giving myself the breaks that I need after a big, long training block. Like I just had to totally relax and recover. What's your break time? Like how long did you not run after CIM? So I took, I guess it was, was it eight or nine days completely off. And then I just took, I will admit, I just took a short break from my break because the last two days we went up to Syracuse, which is where I went to college. 
and I really wanted to run with the, I still know some of the ladies on the team there. Um, so I went for a run with them on Tuesday and Wednesday, but now I'm resuming my break. <laughs> so, <laughs> and how, how much longer will that go? I think through the weekend. Um, yeah. So then next week I'll get back to consistently just running short, easy, um, you know, again, like no rush and I don't have any, you know, races on the calendar anytime soon. And, um, yeah, looking forward to having, hopefully having figured out who my no, new coach is soon so that I can stop, you know, writing my plan and just have someone structure everything for me. <laughs> That's exciting. That's so exciting. Yeah. New coach. Uh, what do you find yourself doing with your extra downtime, not running? What, what's your mileage? What do you, what did you peek out at at CIM? Um, I, my highest was 115. Oh, wow. I did that. Okay. Yeah. I did that twice. And leading up to that, I think I probably had about six, seven weeks between hundred and 110. Okay. Yeah. So what are you doing with all your downtime? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been fairly busy up to this point. So after the race, I flew back to Flagstaff and I had to pack up all of my stuff, um, the room that I've been living in someone else's moving in there in January. So yeah, I had to get all that together. And then I drove my dog to um, Josh and Carrie's house in California because I can't fly with him. He's a golden retriever. And <laughs> so a little too big to, to bring on the plane. And um, so I, I took him there and then I flew out of San Diego um, last Thursday. And then we had Josette and Robbie's wedding and then spent the weekend here in Pottsville. And then, like I said, we were just up in Syracuse and went to a basketball game up there and just got to hang out with some old teammates. And yeah, I've been putting off podcasts until today. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, uh, you have an agent who also watches your dog while you're gone. I mean, that's an all-encompassing agent right there. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, Josh, Josh Cox and Carrie, um, they're, they're the best in the game, in my opinion. <laughs> What's the drive? Like, how far did it how long did it take you to drive your dog there? It was about seven hours. Okay, okay. Which is better than 32 to Pennsylvania, so. So then they'll yeah. just stay there, and then you'll fly back, get your dog, and drive seven hours. Yes, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Are you staying there through Christmas? Yeah, through New Year's. I'll, okay, I'll oh, that's back. nice. Yeah, first week of January, I'm planning on going back. Oh, I'm sure your parents are so happy. Yes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. So tell us the story about how you met your husband. Okay. Um, so I don't actually remember like the very first time we met because we went to the same, we went to Catholic school, kindergarten through eighth grade, and we're in the same school there, which was a really small school. You know, I think there were about a hundred kids total. Um, so we just kind of always knew each other. Um, and he's a year older than me. And I had a crush on him starting in, like, sixth grade. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> and I remember my mom telling me that the Catholic high school was trying to start a junior high cross-country team. And she explained to me what cross-country was. And I was like, no, that sounds really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I heard that Cody was going to do it. And then I was like, well, maybe I'll try it. <laughs> So yeah, so I remember running with Cody in when I was in seventh grade, and he was in eighth grade, and um, we would just run together in silence, awkwardly. <laughs> and I had the biggest crush on him, and he did not have a crush on me at the time. Um, and then we started dating when I was a sophomore, and he was a junior in high school. 
Oh, wow. This is, you guys have been together for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> wow. When did you get married? In March. Oh, this past March. Yeah. So we actually just had like a small like courthouse thing and we were intending on having more of a legitimate ceremony with family and friends shortly after. But then with just how crazy everything's been with the move and trying to figure out, you know, the future, it's like we just didn't really have time or an idea of when would be a good time to plan a wedding. So yeah, hopefully we'll be able to figure that out shortly. You think? Do you think you'll still do it? Yeah, we're still planning on doing something. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to plan a wedding. Yeah, that's what I'm learning. I have lots of friends going through it now, so been trying to get tips. <laughs> yeah, you're in the years. You're in the years of, of wedding going. Like you said, you're sandwiched in between two weekends right now. Yeah. <laughs> so talk to us about your high school running. I know you, you mentioned you had some like ebbs and flows there, and, and I'm super curious in, in hearing – how you how you dealt with that emotionally, physically, all the things? Yeah, so my freshman year, I came in and I didn't really know what to expect. And I kind of made a goal for myself of wanting to break 20 minutes for the 5K. And my very first race, I ran 1840-something, you know, and just totally wow. shocked myself and everyone. Wow. Um, yeah, and then it, things kind of just really took off from there, and I was just kind of breaking all the local course records, and I um, ended up, again, just like super naive. I went into the state meet thinking, you know, if I could finish top 100, that would be an awesome day, and I finished second. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I was ecstatic about that and went on and had a pretty good track season as well. And then um, my sophomore year, I went through puberty and my body changed pretty significantly um, and, you know, had slowed down a little bit from my freshman year. And yeah, it was just, it was a frustrating time for sure. Like, and I think too, like when I was even like as early as junior high, I kind of remember having people say to me like, well, you know, like she's just like so small right now, like just wait, you know, she hasn't gone through puberty yet. Like she's going to slow down like everyone else after she goes through that. So I definitely had this fear, you know, of going through those changes. And I, you know, it just makes me really sad. And I don't want any young girl to feel that way um, because it is, it's just a part of growing up. And it's, I just like want young girls to know that you need to go through those changes. And there is going to be this time period most likely where you do slow down a little bit and it is just going to take some time for you to adjust to that new body, but like, don't try to change it or, you know, force anything. Um, you just, it's a process you have to go through. And I think too, like I knew, like I said, I knew it was going to happen. Um, but I don't think I knew quite how long it would take for me to get to the other side of it. And I'm sure it's different for everyone, but for me, I didn't really feel like I had fully adjusted um, to my new body until I was a senior. Wow. And then finally, in my senior year, I started beating those freshman times, um, which was really exciting and just felt, you know, like really rewarding to have just stuck with it and been patient. And then, yeah, in college, um, I was really, really grateful that I had gone through that, you know, that just like period of letting my body develop because I really like 
only had one major injury in college and I've stayed really healthy all the way through my my 20s so I just want young girls to know like yeah, it's so important your body needs to go through that and your woman body is going to be so much stronger than your girl body like you just have to trust that it's the truth and um yeah I just wish I would have known that when I was going through it at the time because it can be scary and it's frustrating because those boys that you were beating in junior high and like freshman year they they go through puberty too and they just like it seems like they automatically get faster you know like they don't tend to have that setback period like women do when they go through it yeah they get stronger and faster yeah it feels really really unfair but I promise you that once you get to the other side of it you will be faster and stronger and if you let things happen naturally the way they should like you're going to have a much healthier and longer career. Did you have anybody to talk to about that when you were going through it? You know, I really didn't reach out to anyone to talk or like try to talk to anyone about it. I wish I would have because I had an awesome high school coach and I did have a female coach and I'm sure she would have been a great person to talk to. So I don't know. I don't know why I didn't. I think I was just kind of afraid of having that conversation. Um, And fortunately, I feel like there are a lot more resources for girls out there now and people who are talking about it I just feel like it wasn't really talked about that much when I was in high school and like I said if anything I was just hearing like the you know occasional comment of like well she's gonna slow down soon you know like this is only gonna last a little bit longer so it was just like that that's all I really had in my head was that negativity but I did have you know some some role models of professional women that I would see that it was like well you know, clearly they're running better now. Like, I don't think that has to be the story here. It's like, I I did have some hope of seeing there are women who are older and matured and are running very fast. Yeah. The longevity of that and like weathering it in a healthy way has to be really frustrating. I just finished Lauren Fleshman's book and she talks about this a lot in her book about, um, you know, when this happened to her in college and, you were in college many years after her. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, like, what those conversations were when you were in college. Like, were people talking about this? Um, a little bit more so, like, with teammates. Um, although I will also say my college coach at Syracuse, like, he was always just kind of checking in and making sure, like, you know, that I was healthy and, like, there was actually one time I do remember when I it was when I was in Boulder, actually. Um, and I think just like I was doing higher mileage than I ever had been before. And I think just being um, at altitude, like your body needs more calories than it does at sea level. Mm-hmm. And I did lose my period for a couple months there when I was in Boulder. And I actually did end up having a patellar tendon injury um, towards the end of my time there. And when I was talking to Coach Bell about this, you know, he actually asked, you know, are you still getting your period? And I was honest with him. And I said, no, actually, I lost it a couple weeks after getting here. And he was, you know, very adamant, like, well, you need to work on getting that back as soon as possible, you know. And he actually had, like, the longevity of my career in mind. And I remember him saying, like, you're going to be a marathoner and, like, you know, you need to have a really healthy, strong body to be able to handle those miles, you know, a couple years from now. So he really had um, long-term health in mind. And then, yeah, also I think just having conversations with other women on the team, like I think we were good about checking in with each other and 
um, yeah, making sure that, you know, like if anyone was struggling with disordered eating, things like that, that they were getting the help that they needed. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it looks like nationally, but like there needs to be like a very structured program in all college. Like, I don't know if I'm just talking about running, but like, you know, for women college athletes, like about this topic, it has to be so scary when your body does that and you were seeing so much success. And then, and a lot of people, it happens in college. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I just think there needs to be more resources um, for women, whether it's, you know, a dietitian or yes, yeah, just somebody else. Like, I think it, it's good for the coaches to be informed. And I think it's good for them to be able to have those conversations, but resources outside of them as well. Because I think sometimes, you know, male coaches just don't feel super comfortable, or even if they do, they don't necessarily know how to approach women about it. They don't, you know, I think they're very fearful of saying the wrong thing. Yeah. A lot of times. Um, so yeah, I think there, there needs to be just more systems in place for women to, to figure it out because yeah, like you said, when you, if you do lose your period or if you're going through puberty in college, I think it can be scary. And a lot of times you just don't know what needs to be done to fix it. This episode of the podcast is supported by athletic greens. And I got to tell you, I am hooked on athletic greens. I have been hearing about AG one, forever. That is the athletic greens product that is filled with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced nutrients in one convenient daily serving. You just put one scoop in, shake it up with eight ounces of water, start your day with it, get your energy going, and it will have you feeling balanced and supported both your immune system, your digestive system. It has prebiotics, probiotics, to help with your gut health, and it also provides metabolism, energy, and stress support. I wake up in the morning, I go straight to my cabinet to get my athletic greens, start my day like that. I love starting the day with a healthy habit, putting this nutrient-dense product into my body. I'm telling you, you gotta try it. They have a 60-day money-back guarantee, and when you go to athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, you will get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five travel packs. You're going to want those travel packs. It helps because you feel like, oh, I'm starting the day the same way I do at home, even when I'm on the go. And plus, when you're traveling, you might not get the nutrient-dense meals that you get at home. So it's that extra security blanket there as well. Like, you know you're getting those 75 vitamins and minerals in when you take your AG1 in the morning. Again, go to athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, and you will get that free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 plus five travel packs of AG1. All right, friends, back to the show. So tell us a little bit about your coaching. You, you mentioned you coach with Run Free Training. That's Ryan Hall's group. What does that look like? Yeah, it's been a ton of fun. Um, I started coaching, I think it was March 2020. Um, I got my first athlete and I have eight athletes now and um, mostly marathoners. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I told those, those first couple athletes that I got, like, cause I think, you know, everyone when they first get into coaching is going to feel a little bit like a fraud, you know, you're like, you know, I just was super honest with them. Like, you guys are my guinea pigs. Like, please give me lots of feedback. Like, 
I, I do, you know, feel like I, I know what I'm doing to an extent here. Like I've had lots of great coaching mentors in my life and Ryan Hall was there for like, you know, if I wanted to bounce anything off of him and um, ask questions, like he was super helpful. But yeah, I think what I'm learning is it is like just a big trial and error process. Um, and, you know, I try to read books and just ask questions to those coaching mentors I have in my life. Um, but at the end of the day, it is kind of like learning what works for each athlete individually, because, you know, that's another big part of it is what works well for someone might not work at all for another person. So just really getting to know them. And um, that's one of my favorite parts of it, too, is like I've formed some really great relationships with a lot of my athletes and they've become become like friends. Um, I had three women running CIM. Oh, fun. Yeah, one of them I met there in person for the first time. So we got to talk for about an hour the day before the race. And it was just really fun getting to meet her after, you know, having been coaching her for months. So um, yeah, I would say like, it's just been really rewarding. And um, when I first graduated from Syracuse and got into the professional running, like I, I had been feeling pretty burnout and done with school. And I was really looking forward to having like that, just more free time, you know, and like right off the bat, I found myself like just feeling really bored and not uh-huh. my time. And I actually started substitute teaching. Um, my degree was in education and psychology. And um, so I was doing some substitute teaching and then um, the pandemic started and I wasn't able to do that anymore. And fortunately, that was right when Ryan reached out to me about being a coach for Run Free. And um, yeah, ever since I started doing that, I feel like it's really filled that void of, you know, just wanting to be able to give back in some way. Yeah. So, okay. So Ryan reached out to you. I was going to ask you what, how did you, of all the ways you could go about coaching, how did you line up with them? Yeah. So I had actually talked to Ryan a little bit at the end of my time at Syracuse about potentially being coached by him. Okay. And um, so we had some good conversations and then, you know, obviously I didn't end up being coached by him, but I just kind of said to him, like he had mentioned that he was going to be starting this business and that if I was interested in, coaching that that'd be something I'd be able to do and um so I just said to him you know if you end up still needing you know some coaches that's something I'd love to do so okay that's interesting that you had played around with maybe Ryan coaching you because he doesn't coach a ton of professionals I know he's coaching Ben Blankenship right now and maybe he coaches more than I realize yeah I think he has like a small men's group right now that seems to be kind of taking off okay okay that's fun Mm-hmm. And then, so what was your deciding factor in going with the other, so Coach Fox, was that your first coach out of college? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, like, I really liked Ryan a lot as a person, um, and obviously he's done an incredible job coaching Sarah, and again, like, with the marathon, thinking, like, Coach Bell, my college coach, always telling me, like, marathon's going to be your event, um, so I did really want someone who either was an experienced marathoner themselves or, you know, had experience coaching elite marathoners. And so that's kind of why I talked to him. Um, but I, I knew at the time I wasn't anywhere near being able to keep up with Sarah in training. And I didn't think I was going to go to the marathon right away, like I had said. Um, so uh, I really wanted to find a group that had people that would be everyday training partners and people who would challenge me in training. So um yeah Josette 
Anna, Amy being with Reebok and Tori was with Reebok at the time. And then we had two other women, Shannon and Abby as well. So there was a nice little group there forming. And then um, Coach Fox, he had been the head coach at Syracuse and he wasn't really, yeah, he wasn't really my coach. He was more like the men's head coach, but I had definitely like had conversations with him there and knew he was like my coach, Coach Bell's mentor. So I figured it would probably be a pretty easy transition being under him. Yeah, yeah, Marty. And uh, so these guys are older than you. When did those guys all graduate? In a few years before you, right? Yeah, so Marty, so I actually, I transferred to Syracuse from Lipscomb University. So I spent a year and a half at Lipscomb and transferred into Syracuse halfway through my sophomore year. And so I only had one semester with Marty. Marty was a fifth year when I was a sophomore there that first semester. And um, Colin was only Mm -hmm. a year older than me. So I spent a few years with Colin. Okay. Yeah, it seems like everybody has pretty good rapport with Coach Fox. I mean, to to bring, to still be working with so many athletes that he worked with in college. Yeah, totally. Those guys love him. I mean, he took that team like at Syracuse when I think him and Coach Bell got there in 2008 and they were kind of like at the bottom of the Big East. They're in the Big East Conference at the time and took them to the top of that and then uh, switched over to the ACC and immediately started winning ACC titles and then won the 2015 NCAA championship. And I think it was like the first time a school east of the Mississippi had won NCAAs and I forget how many years. Um, It had been a really long time. Um, so he did a great job, like really turning the program around there and they just, you know, really bought in and had a ton of faith of faith in him and still do. So you had a successful career at Syracuse, five-time All-American, five-time ACC champion, um, 17th at NCAAs. Did you like graduate thinking I am going to do this professionally? Like was a shoe contract in mind right at the start? What did that look like for you? Yeah, I only had two cross-country seasons at Syracuse. Like I said, I had been at Lipscomb, and I did use up two cross-country seasons there. Um, So that first cross-country season at Syracuse, I did, like, immediately start having some success. Um, Unfortunately, we we missed qualifying as a team that year. The previous year, we'd had, between seniors and fifth years, 13 women graduated. So we only had seven returners. And we had eight freshmen. So it was really like a huge rebuilding period for the team at the time. Um, So we missed qualifying as a team. I missed qualifying as an individual by like two hundredths of a second, something like that. Oh, gosh. That was a bummer. But I think like cross country is such a team sport. Like I honestly was like, well, the team wouldn't have been there anyways. So I don't think it would have been that fun in the end. But then the following year we made it as a team. And so that was my when I finished 17th there as a like a true senior that was my first time at NCAAs Mm. yeah and I think that season is when things kind of really started coming together for me and I started feeling like I would have a chance at running professionally Um, and then I saw some more success on the track that spring and then um, my fifth year after I returned from that trip I did to Boulder I had a, a pretty good spring as well so um, yeah, it really started to become a real possibility at like my junior and senior year. So probably, but maybe no marathon this spring. It sounds like we're going to see you on the track. 
Yes, I'll likely be back on the track and um, back on the back on the roads as well. A little bit of a mix. What uh, What's your favorite distance, like on the roads to to run? Hmm. I really enjoy like the 15k that they have in Jacksonville, oh, or yeah. like um, yeah, I just did the 10 mile champs this past fall. So I I feel like anything in that like like 15k to half marathon is a lot of fun. I was going to say, do you think you'll take a swing at like a big half marathon PR knowing, you know, how well you just did at CIM? Maybe. Yeah. If I can find a race to do that in, I I would love to. Um, I definitely think there's some time to drop there. What are you most excited about for 2023? Um, Right now, I think it's just like having that, you know, that next situation figured out with Mm -hmm. knowing who I'm going to have as a coach and who my teammates are going to be and hopefully having Cody out in Flagstaff as well, just being able to be together again. So yeah, I think just kind of like being settled and yeah, really diving all in on what's next. It's exciting. Well, what's something professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Um, for professionally going back to the shorter distances, I would love to break 15 minutes in the 5k. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's high on my goal list. And then uh, personally, uh, at some point, I don't know when this would work out, but I would love to visit either Ethiopia or Kenya. Uh, it seems like the culture there is really, really neat. I loved hearing about um, Sharon's time over there training for New York. Like, I don't know. It just seems like they everyone I've met from that area, they're just so friendly and, like, funny and um, I think it would be a lot of fun to go over there and experience that. Yeah, go hook up with Sharon and her group for a couple a couple weeks or months. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is the best, most recent book you've read? I just finished reading The Secret Race. It's the story of Tyler Hamilton, and he was teammates with Lance Armstrong. And it's kind of like a tell-all of the, all the doping that went on um, in the like late 90s, early 2000s. And um, yeah, I highly recommend it. It's very eye-opening because I feel like I've always been like, I don't understand how people get away with all that stuff and like the mentality behind like how you could convince yourself to even start doing it, you know? Um, so anyways, I found it really fascinating. Um, is Tyler Hamilton, like, is he a known doper? Yes. Okay. And he talks about it in the book. Yeah. Wow. Uh, who is someone fun, motivating, or inspiring you would like to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with? I would love to meet Sydney McLaughlin. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously, she's a stud on the track, but I think she's just an incredible person, it seems like. And I love how boldly she sharing her faith out there on social media and how much of a priority that is in her life. And I just share a lot of those values. And um, so she's been a huge inspiration to me. Yeah, I've noticed that about her a lot as well. I mean, she put she puts it out there. That's what she lives for. She does. Yeah, for sure. Um, how does that how is that in your life? Like, how do you feel like your faith guides you in your own running? Yeah, I think it just really keeps me really grounded and centered and like, for example, like when I mentioned, like I've been in limbo kind of, you know, these last couple months with trying to figure out what's next team wise and like 
I've had a good couple of years running, you know, under Reebok, but not necessarily like, you know, like a big performance that would automatically set me up well for a next contract. And I think like having that faith that, um, you know, I really believe God has a plan for all of us. And like, um, there's only so much we can control ourselves. Right. So it's like at the end of the day, like, yes, I'm doing everything I can to improve as a runner and set myself up well to have a good day at CIM. But just having that faith that like, you know, it might happen or it might not, but either way, like, I believe that God is good and faithful. And like, if it didn't work out at CIM, like he has another plan and like, maybe it is for me to continue running professionally, but if it's not, then he has something greater and he's going to use my life for in a different way for a different purpose. And just having that trust, you know, I think it really <clears throat> keeps me from being anxious or mm. worried about the future. It just keeps me really grounded. And, and did your husband, did he grow up in a family of faith as well? He did. Yeah. We were both raised Catholic. And then when I went to Lipscomb University, um, that was a small Christian school. And that's kind of when I really made my faith my own mm. and kind of like started just exploring um, different questions. And like I had Bible classes there my freshman and sophomore year. So um, just kind of talking to my professors and we had like we had chapels that we would attend and they had lots of Christian like authors and musicians come in and speak and was really inspired just also by my teammates there who had really strong faith. So I was just kind of surrounded by it and really started exploring it for myself more there um, instead of started attending non-denominational Christian churches as well instead of Catholic church. And um, yeah, it just, my faith really took off from me or yeah, took off from me there. And my relationship with God has really grown ever since then. Have you felt like, um, I feel like it's been a little tumultuous to be a Christian these days. Like, do you feel that at all? Yeah, definitely. I think people like sometimes have opinions about what Christians might believe or think about other people. And um, I think there are some stereotypes there. And I think there are for sure, you know, like people who will probably, you know, like any like faith has people that are maybe a little bit radical. You know, yes. Like they take it too far and get away from the heart of it, I think. And like at the heart of it, like you read the Bible, like the message is like, you know, like Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, you know? And it's like, I think, if we stick to that, like that's, you know, like only good things can come from that. And that, you know, you're going to just be outpouring love if you're like sticking to that message. And um, yeah. So anyways, I think, yeah, there are certainly people who have taken it too far. And I think unfortunately then some people just get this negative view of Christianity as a whole. They lump everybody into that radical I know because those are the loudest people, it seems. But yeah, well, I'm I'm proud of you for for sticking to it. Thanks. What's your last message to leave with the audience? Yeah, I think kind of going off of that, I would just say like love everyone around you and respect everyone, and um, don't be afraid to have conversations with people who are different from you, have different views. Like I think people do just like, it makes me really sad sometimes how polarized this country is and people just kind of make assumptions about 
other people who are maybe a little bit different from them. And I would just encourage you, like, have that conversation with that person. And at the end of the day, maybe you're still going to disagree with them, but like respect them anyways, you know, and um, I think we're all more similar than we think we are. Great. Thank you, Paige. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Paige, for coming on the podcast. I am so excited to follow your journey. Go to Instagram to follow Paige, Paige Stoner 11 on Instagram. You can find me. I'm lindsayhine626 over there. And on Twitter, I'm at lindsayhine. We also have a great Facebook group. We'd love to have you join us. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. Uh, don't forget when you leave a rating interview on iTunes, you are entered to win a pair of Gooder sunglasses. Uh, you can get a discount at Gooder too when you go to gooder.com slash another and use the code another15. To learn more about this podcast and all the shows in our network, go to sandyboyproductions.com. You can find the show notes for this episode where it lists everything Paige and I talked about as well as sponsor discount codes. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you're having a happy holiday season and uh, we will see you next week on I'll Have Another.